0: Well, good morning, White Oak, and uh, welcome. So glad that you are here today, this morning, as uh, we are continuing in on our study of the book of Romans. We're about halfway through. And uh, today uh, we're going to be diving into chapter 9, um, and maybe you're joining us for the first time, uh, maybe you just need a little bit of a reminder of where we've been as we're kind of at this halfway point, point. and so we're going to throw some stuff up on the screen that will kind of just be a reminder for some of us, and maybe just some helpful information for some of you as we kind of jump in and, uh, and start here today. So, Paul is writing this letter to, um, to, both, uh, to house churches that are found in Rome, right? So, Paul's writing a letter to house churches in Rome. Um, his audience is made up both of Jewish Christians and Gentile Christians. And so, those two people come, two uh, groups come from very, very different walks of life, very, very different ancestry. And so, we'll talk more about that today. That's a, it's part of what we'll be talking about. Uh, There's a conflict between the two and it comes from their power and their privilege. For the Gentiles who are in Rome, they believe that they have a distinct power advantage because of being a Roman citizen and everything that Rome represents. If you're a Jewish Christian, you feel like you have privilege because you are a part of the nation of Israel. You are a part of God's chosen people. You come from the line of Moses and Abraham. And so you have this special privilege. And both want to kind of use their power and their privilege to cast the other aside, to disparage the other. And so uh, part of Paul's main goal in writing this is to clarify the gospel. When we say gospel, we mean the good news about Jesus. And so one of the things that Paul wants to do, he he wants to make really, really clear what the gospel message is, what the good news is, what our hope is based on. He wants to make that crystal clear to everyone, and he wants to create unity between these two groups of people that find themselves worshiping in Rome. Some of the major talking points that we've talked about so far are that we're all guilty— Uh, And we are all saved by grace through Jesus. And so this is a major theme. The flow of Romans has been very cyclical. And what I mean by that is that the same themes and ideas keep coming back around and around. Some may read Romans and say that uh, Paul is kind of repeating himself in these cycles. We're broken. We're lost. We need Jesus our answer is Jesus, our hope is found in Jesus, um, and, and so around and around it goes. But I'll, I'll tell you this, in scripture specifically, when we, when we dive in and we read scripture, if it's repeated, it's important. And, and so if Paul is going to continue talking about the fact that we are saved by grace through faith in Jesus, and if that's going to be a major theme that, that finds itself coming up over and over again in the book of Romans, it's because it is really important. And we need reminded of that all the time. And so sometimes it may seem like we're repeating ourselves. But what we're really doing is just reemphasizing Paul's main goal through writing this letter, which is to remind us of that we're all broken, that we're all sinners, and that we all need Jesus. And the way that we... Find ourselves in Jesus is through faith. And so uh, it, it will just continue to come up over and over again. Up to this point, as Paul's been talking about the good news that we have in Jesus, it's really been personal. It's been our personal need for it. Paul, even in chapter 7, will talk about his own brokenness and uh, and how he finds himself in need of Jesus. And so the focus has really been on how we need Jesus. Starting in chapter 9 and going forward, there'll be a little bit of an idea of a shift where we begin to kind of look at how the good news of the gospel is good news for everyone, how it's good news for other people. Paul kind of ends chapter 8 on this high note. He, uh, he is talking about how we are more than conquerors, how nothing can separate us from the love of Jesus. But he quickly, in chapter 9, does a 180, and we find Paul sobbing in tears and brokenhearted over the fact that his people, the Jewish people, don't know Jesus, or are rejecting Jesus. And, uh, and so, we'll, we'll take a look at that in just a second. A reminder in chapter 8, what we talked about last week, and just a side note, if you were going to boil down the book of Romans to one chapter, if you could only read one chapter of Romans, it would be chapter 8. That would be the chapter that you would want to read. Because chapter 8 probably best encapsules the entire letter in just a few verses. And so chapter 8 does the best job of representing the letter of, as a whole in a very concise package. In Romans chapter 8, verses 1 and 2, Paul says this. He says, Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. It's the gospel message. Spoken in two verses. Uh, Really, you could just take the verse 1 if you wanted to. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Uh, That is the good news that we have. And so Paul goes from there, in that idea, um, into chapter 9, where he begins to talk about this idea of the conflict that still remains between Jews and Gentiles and how Paul's heart breaks for this Jewish nation, this nation of Israel, who kind of, through their own uh, misguidedness, has missed the point of who Jesus is and what he's trying to do. The big idea that we want to really kind of focus on today is this idea that I'm not finished. In your program, uh, we had written that it's I'm not rejected, but as Nathan and I kind of studied and and looked through chapter 9 with a new perspective after kind of walking through this now and living through it, uh, we decided to change it. We feel like that this is going to better represent what we want to get across today as we deliver these messages both here at Coleraine and out at Ross. So Paul's outline in chapter 9 is that God wants to take our story and reconfigure it He wants to give you a new lens in which to view your place and your life, Uh, to show you his faithfulness. He wants to remind us that what he's been doing, he's always been doing, that the promises he's made, he's going to hold up to, and that just because you missed something, just because maybe you misunderstood something, doesn't mean that God hasn't always been at work Uh, Sometimes the nation of Israel believes that God is being unjust or unfair or that God is changing a little bit of his, the way that he's operated. But what God wants us to see and what Paul wants us to see through Romans chapter 9 is that this is how God has always been working. God's plan has always been Jesus. God's plan has always been that we're going to receive grace And just because the law exists and just because there were rules set up in the Old Testament doesn't mean that God has changed his mind. So he wants to show his faithfulness. He wants to show that he is eager to show up in your life and show you the way forward to peace. The Jewish people had a story. Every Jewish adult and every Child knew their story and their heritage. They understood their ancestry. They understood the heroes of their faith, Abraham and Moses. And they understood their special relationship with God. See, part of this conflict that, that we're facing here is all based on this idea of fairness. And, uh, and we can kind of understand. I think that through these nine weeks that we've been, through these nine chapters that we've been going through in Romans, we've talked about this a little bit, that we live in a culture of earn it or deserve it. And if you get a raise at work, it's because you earned it. If you're a starting player on your team, it's because you've earned it, right? If you get an A in class, it's because you've earned it. We live in this kind of society. And so the law made sense for the Israelites. The, the law made sense for the nation of Israel, They were to earn their salvation through keeping the law. And so when Jesus shows up and when Christianity shows up and when this idea of grace through faith is described, there's some people that would have been in this church that would have felt like that, you know what, that's really not fair. I mean, we've been keeping the law our whole life and and now these Gentile Christians, these Roman Christians come in and, and they just get a free pass. Just believe in Jesus and everything's forgiven? That doesn't seem like it's fair. They didn't earn it. And so that's a lot of what this conflict is. What they're pushing out and saying, no, 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 you can, we, we love Jesus, but you have to keep the law as well. Because in their mind, there's still this deep desire to earn God's favor. What Paul's trying to point out is that, yeah, the law's here. The law exists, and you can't keep it. You fail at keeping it, and you need grace just as much as everybody else, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so Paul will say that the law has become a stumbling block to you. And what you really need to see is that you are saved by grace, and that we're all equal when it comes to that. Romans chapter 9 verses 1 through 3 begins to talk about Paul's relationship with his people and how much his heart breaks for them. Take a look with me. It says, With Christ as my witness, I speak with utter truthfulness. My conscience and the Holy Spirit confirm it. My heart is filled with bitter sorrow and unending grief for my people, my Jewish brothers and sisters. I would be willing to forever... to." Hmm. Let me start over. I would be willing to be forever cursed, cut off from Christ, if that would save them. And you hear Paul's agony. He says, look, I've got my brothers and sisters, my, my family, he says, and they don't know Jesus. They're rejecting Jesus. And he says, he's so bold that he says, I would be willing to be cut off from Christ, If that would be the thing that would save them. Let me just pause and ask you a question. How important is it that your neighbors, your family, your friends know the gospel message? Know the good news about Jesus? How much does it break your heart that there are people that you're connected to that don't know who Jesus is? Man, it is crushing Paul. It is breaking Paul's heart that there are people who are missing this big idea about Jesus. And it forces him to want to do something about it. The Jewish story has been a sure thing. They knew what God was up to and they knew that that they were inside of it. And Paul quickly deconstructs that idea. You see, the love he has for his people, he doesn't want them to miss out on what God is doing in their lives, that God is doing something that that maybe they didn't expect, but he's not willing to pull any punches when he announced their ancestry and their religious laws hasn't made them right with God. The stuff in their past and and who they're connected to and and their family heritage, that is not what it is that's going to save them. Romans chapter 9, verse 4. They are the people of Israel, chosen to be God's adopted children. God revealed his glory to them. He made covenants with them and gave them his law. He gave them the privilege of worshiping him and receiving his wonderful promises. He says, look, you're Israel and you have a privilege, a distinct advantage. You are God's standard bearers of his peace. But that is not what makes you right with God. The Gentiles have been called by God to join his family. It is not just for the Jews. There's this idea that, uh, that as God opens up this door and says that the gospel is for all people, that God's changing. That, that, God is, that this is a plan B. That this is like a, a, a late addition and what Paul wants the Jewish Christians to understand is that this has been God's plan all along. That this has been part of the story all along. And just because you didn't see it, and just because you didn't understand it, doesn't mean that God wasn't doing it. In the stories of Abraham and Rebekah and Moses and Pharaoh to the prophets, God has been working in mysterious ways and been working towards Jesus all along. Romans 9, 5, and 6. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and their ancestors, and Christ himself was an Israelite as far as his human nature is concerned. And he is God, the one who rules over everything and is worthy of eternal praise. Well, then, has God failed to fulfill his promise to Israel? Paul asks the question, he says, look, is because the law isn't what saves us, is God failed in some, some way? Is God changing his mind somehow? He says, no. The peace that you experienced with God has always been about Jesus from the very beginning. God's plan for peace, his inclusion into his family, it's not uniform and it's not predictable. God doesn't show up in the same way every time. God loves to work in the ways that are the most unexpected. Think back to some of the Old Testament stories that you know of. In one battle, God brings down the walls of Jericho by marching around. In another battle, God has Gideon pare his army down from 32,000 to 300 men. And Gideon's men don't even enter into the battle, really. The enemy destroys themselves in a misdirection. The plagues in Egypt are all different. Even in the New Testament, think about Jesus healing blind men. In one case, Jesus heals them by touching his eyes. In another, Jesus touches the man's eyes and spits in dirt and makes mud and puts it on the man's eyes. In another, he simply... Uh, spits in his hand and touches the man's eyes. Jesus working differently in different people's lives. Maybe it's like your kids or my kids. I've got four kids, and there's days where I believe they all came from different planets. You know what I mean? They're just different. And uh, there's days where I can see it. I can be like, oh yeah, they're connected, they're related. And then there's days where it's like, where did he come from? And then I'm quickly reminded by my wife that that's me, right? That that's the, that's the me part that's living in them. But, uh, but they're different. And so the way that we treat them has to be different. The way that we talk to them has to be different. If you're a coach or if you're on a team, you know that to get the best out of somebody, you can't treat everybody exactly the same. You got to approach people differently because we're all different. God works differently through all of our lives. All along the way, God's using pieces of the story in different ways for different outcomes. All pointing to one promise. Peace through Jesus. And this is where we get confused in our own story. First thing is, we think God works the same way every time. Like there's a formula. I go to church and I pray. And then that's going to get me certain results. Only problem is, is that I do those things and I don't get the results that I want. And then I look over at somebody else's life and I see what they're doing and I say, why is it working for them and it's not working for me? We just feel like that there's a a code to crack, that there's a formula to figure out and if I could just do the right things in the right order that God's going to show up in the way that I want. And that doesn't work. And we fumble around with that. We don't so then it causes us to not see value in church or prayer because we do them and we don't get the results that we want in our life. Right? I've done this or I've followed that pattern, and what's left to do? So we think that God works the same way every time when He doesn't. We think that we know how God works. There's this picture of what our lives should look like, right? That what our friends should look like, what our marriage should look like, what our kids should look like, what our plans and desires should look like. And when we don't measure up to that, or when our life doesn't measure up to the picture we see in other people's lives, we get really angry. We get really frustrated. I've been doing these things, and then cancer shows up. I've been doing these things, and then divorce shows up. I've been doing these things, and then I get fired from my job. Like, why? Why? We can't figure out. And so we get really frustrated on how God may be working in our lives. We think that God sometimes is petty. When I'm good, he gives me good things. So I work hard to be good. And when I'm bad, if I do something wrong, he withdraws from me. A lot of times we just, we we feel like that when something bad happens in our life, it could be the smallest thing. You get a flat tire on the side of the road trying to make it somewhere on time, and you get stuck in traffic, and, and a little voice in the back of your head is asking you, is this punishment? Am I being punished for something that I did wrong? Because we believe that that's how God operates. We fe- feel like that that's the code. That, that God is reacting and responding to every one of our actions. He's blessing us when we're good, and he's punishing us when we're bad. Because we feel like that this is some kind of a game, that this is some kind of kind of code that we can figure out, some kind of formula that we can follow. We walk through our spiritual journey hoping we've figured out what the formula is. But there are no formulas with God. He's a person, not a system, and he operates only the way that he operates, molding us to his peace. We don't mold him to our desires. Jericho, Gideon, Jesus' healings, they're never the same and they don't work the same in everybody's lives. We're looking for formulas and there isn't one. He's taking the pieces of your story, your broken heart, your hopeful spirit, your relationships, and he's reconfiguring them so you can walk closer to him. You'll see that when we always draw near to him. Mark chapter 8 verses 22 through 30. Jesus spits and puts in a mud in a man's eyes. And he can see unclear people. But they look like images of trees walking around. Jesus does it again. And the man can see more clearly. Walking with Jesus sometimes can be unclear. There's twists and turns and battles to fight. As we journey in and towards his peace. The archbishop... Anthony Bloom says this, he says, the realm of God is dangerous. You must enter into it and not just seek information about it. It's a journey and it takes faith and it takes us being willing to walk in and to expect the unexpected. Many of us don't walk into it because we don't feel safe, because we don't like the unpredictability of it. We don't like it when there's not clear outcomes Frankly, it's much easier to call yourself a Christian and come to church than to really seek the peace that's found in this journey. Romans chapter 9, verses 30 through 32 says this. says, what does all this mean? Even though the Gentiles were not trying to follow God's standard, they were made right with God, and it was by faith that this took place. But the people of Israel, who tried so hard to get right with God by keeping the law, never succeeded. Why not? Because they were trying to get right with God by keeping the law instead of trusting in him. They stumbled over the great rock in their path. Though Israel failed to find peace and bring peace to the broken world, Jesus didn't fail. Jesus brings peace to this world, and it's not through following the law, it's through trusting in him. And that's what Paul says. He says, look, the, the Gentiles are praised. Why? Why? Because they followed the law? No. Because they fully put their trust in Jesus. Even they didn't know what it meant. Even though that they were confused about it. Even though they weren't sure what all that was going to mean and entail. They just simply said, we trust in Jesus and we're going to put our faith in him. And, and, and here we go. The Jews feel like, felt like they had everything figured out. We do X, Y, and Z and we're going to be good with God. And Paul says, no. He says, you were never trusting God. You were trusting in a process and you couldn't even keep the process. You failed at it. He says, you fell in love with the law and you never fell in love with God. And I'll tell you, some of us fall in love with the procedures. We fall in love with the habits, but we never truly fall in love with God. We never truly put our faith in him. And that's what he's looking for. But there's good news. Because he's not finished with us. We're not done. Surprising turns in God's story happen all the time. God has been telling his story from one person to another. One surprising event after another. And it's all leading us to a relationship with Jesus. As our story unfolds. As we go and embark on this journey, I want to give you some ideas of what we can do. First thing is we're going to go step by step. Don't ask how. How is a faithless question. It means unless I see exactly what's going to happen in front of me, I won't venture forward. How is God's department? He's asking you to ask what? What do you want me to do next? What does trusting you look like? What does being brought to real peace ...about my past look like? Engage God one step at a time. Second thing is we walk steadily. With God and with others, peace is going to be discovered... ...through cohesive relationships with brothers and sisters. Look, one of the things that Paul wants to do in this church in Rome... ...more than anything, is to bring about unity. He wants these people to come together and be one... ...all under the umbrella of faith in Jesus... We need brothers and sisters. We need to come together. Instead of judging each other, instead of being angry because you look at other people's lives and your life doesn't measure up to theirs or you're not getting the results that they're getting, we need to be about building each other up. And we do that by walking steadily through this journey together. And we walk repetitively. Disciplines that keep your mind on the path. Listen, When we talk about the law not working, sometimes we feel like it means that it doesn't matter what I do. Right? I'm not saved by the law. I'm not saved by what I do. So what I do doesn't matter. It's not the point at all. What you do matters. Prayer matters. Showing up to worship together matters. These things matter. They're just not the thing that saves you. Jesus saves you. And these other things, reading your Bible praying, showing up to worship together. These are the things that keep us connected. These are the things that keep us moving forward. These are the things that keep us where we should be. And so what we do matters. It's just not the thing that saves us. God is not predictable in the sense that we want him to be. He works in ways that are, that are outside our understanding. And for the nation of Israel, they really have to grasp a hold of this. What they thought their story was is different. And so now they're wrestling with this idea that they have to change their perspective. If you're going to be helping out with communion right now, I ask that you go ahead and go to the, make your way to the back. What I want you to hear today is this. Inclusion in the God's family comes through faith in Jesus. And if we can truly get there, if we can narrow in on that, we can find peace. I'm not finished. God is nowhere near done with me. Both in the sense that I don't just come to faith in Jesus and then I'm done as if it's all over. No, God's got work that he needs you to do. God's got a plan for you. God's not finished with your story. And in the sense that Some of us walk in and we just feel like, you know what? I've done too much. I'm too far away. There's no way that God can redeem my story. You need to hear that God's not done with you. The nation of Israel continued to miss the signs. They continued to miss what God was doing in their life. But God was not finished with them. God was bringing them to peace through Jesus. Helping them to see clearer what God's true story was as He was working through their lives. He's not done with you. Trust in Jesus and trust in His Spirit. Depend on God for everything. So, this morning, as we wrap this up and as we prepare for in just a moment when we're going to do communion together, I just want you to hear. No matter where you've been, no matter what you've been going through, no matter what your story is up until this point, God's not finished with you. Jesus is right in front of you. Jesus was right there, and it broke Paul's heart that so many of his people, his Israelite nation, was missing Jesus. Don't miss Jesus. He's right in front of you. And he wants to take you on this journey that brings us to peace. Would you pray with me? Generally, Father, thank you so much for today and I thank you so much for your son, Jesus. And I thank you so much for the peace that he brings. God, I'm so thankful that my story is not over. That you are not done with me. That you're continuing to walk alongside of me. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.